Hopefully. So thanks for that. <laughs> but there are obviously also other times where we don't just have lo- haven't just like lost our notice. We actually don't know what to think. We don't know what to say. And uh, sometimes those are wonderful moments. We get a glimpse of God and His greatness and His His glory. And, and we, you know, we even use phrases like, oh, "My mind was just blown." And we don't know what to say. Or maybe our, our prayers and our dreams come true. Something we never really maybe necessarily thought happened. It has happened. It is going to happen. What do you say in that moment? Wow. Or our dreams and our prayers seem impossible. And we can't, can't see how they'll ever really come to pass. And we're overwhelmed by that. Or we experience or we witness evil or, or tragedy. Those are the dramatic moments when we don't necessarily know what to think or what to say. There are also just, frankly, normal moments when we just kind of just feel a bit blunt, a bit, kind of, I don't know, stunted or stuck or, or dull, and we're like, I, should ought, I ought to say something, but I don't know what to say. Now, sometimes in response to those moments, silence is, is part of what God is inviting us into, and that's... That's good and and right. But because God loves us and he loves hearing from us, he generously gives us a gift to enable us to speak with him at those moments when even when we don't know what to say, we can still speak. We can still speak to him without even knowing what it is necessarily that we are saying. And the Bible calls this the gift of speaking in tongues. So what Tanya was just uh, sharing uh, and what we then really responded to is that moment of like, well, how do we go from where we are to where we feel we ought to be? We need some help with that. One of the ways in which God can do that is by giving us uh, tongues, languages uh, to speak in. One of the other ways in which people say that speaking in tongues often really helps them is giving them power uh, to witness, to tell other people about Jesus, whereas previously they felt shy, nervous, afraid. For some people, when they start speaking in tongues, they just, it's different suddenly. There's a fire in them that they just have to share with other people. For many people, perhaps Christians, you've been a Christian for very many years, you're familiar with most things, and life can just kind of have a bit of regularity to it, and you need something more than that. Or frankly, you just see other people who seem to love and know Jesus better than you do, you think, I want some of that, I want to know him more. Speaking in tongues is often the way in which God makes that happen. My intention this morning, therefore, is to show you that this is a gift from God and for you to receive it. (laughs) I'm going to be like, isn't this great? Let's all go home. This is a good gift that God wants to give you. And I want you to believe that. I don't want you to believe it because I'm saying it. I want to show you from God's word that it's true. And I want you to eagerly desire it, eagerly ask it. Not just think, yeah, that would be nice if that happened. But say, God, give me that, please. I need that. So we are going to, we're going to look in God's word and we're going to ask him and we're going to receive him. And he's going to give us this gift. He's going to give this people who have uh, received it many times before, uh, maybe who have never received that gift. God is good. He loves giving gifts. So why don't, we, why don't we just start by asking him to give us his gifts. Lord, would you give us your Holy Spirit, yourself. Yourself. We've felt aware of, of him with us today. We want to be more aware of him. And we want to experience more of his power And Lord, we're going to see in your word that this wonderful, strange, wonderful gift is one of the ways in which you do this. 
And so please, God, would you just give even now gifts of faith, people for whom this has been strange or uncertain uh, or just, just never heard of it before, just over the next few minutes, would you take them from that place to a place of confidently asking and receiving this wonderful gift? And Lord, for those of us who are familiar with it, Lord, don't let familiarity breed contempt or complacency, but instead a fresh awareness of all that you want to do through this gift and a fresh desire uh, to receive it again today. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to look through the most detailed discussion about speaking in tongues in the Bible, which is in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 uh, through to 14. Um, It's sometimes helpful just to make clear so you know what I'm talking about, just in case you don't know what I'm talking about, a kind of a a definition. And then we'll see from God's word where we get this definition from and more about how we should uh, believe God for it and put it into practice. So I guess very simply, speaking in tongues is the Holy Spirit guiding the forms of words that you use to praise God. He is, he is helping you to pray and to praise. He doesn't take over your mouth and your vocal cords. It's not like ventriloquism or something like that. There's a sense of collaboration. That as we begin, he takes over isn't quite the word, but he takes over. He he comes and he fills us and something pours out of us, a a language that we won't understand, but is us speaking our prayers and our praise to God. And the result of this is that we are strengthened spiritually. And God does work in us in that moment that isn't, you can't draw a line, it's like, oh, well, I spoke in tongues and therefore, so naturally this then happened. No, this is a supernatural thing from first to last. And God can release things, God can begin things, God can bring things to an end. God can strengthen you in that moment as you engage with him, as you ask him and you use this gift. Now, I'm not going to pretend that this is going to make total sense to you, particularly if you're visiting us today and you're not a Christian. You're like, I thought the weirdest thing about them was that they believe Jesus risen from the dead. And that is the most remarkable thing that's ever happened. But this is a, this is a, a, a gift that that has something provocative in it. It is unusual. I think part of the reason God gives it to us is to assert our weakness. It's, it's when, you know, we kind of think, oh, I'll, I'll figure it all out and then I will do things. And God says, no, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. And maybe you'll figure some of it out as we go along the way. And I think God knows that we need that more than we need things that make complete sense to us. I do believe that that speaking and praying and singing in tongues anticipates something of the, the heavenly worship that we are, if we're in Christ, going to experience for all eternity one day. And, and we can use that phrase kind of like it was like a touch of heaven or a sense of heaven, almost in a kind of a, I don't know, kind of cliche. But actually, this can be that. Churches have often uh, been opposed uh, to speaking in tongues. You may have come from a church. You may belong uh, to a church where that happened. The last time I preached on this at Kings, a leader of a church from this city who really don't believe in this at all just happened to be visiting. And uh, it was a challenge for me in that moment um, and actually for, for him as well. But one of the things that's happened over the last 120 years or so is there has been an incredible change in... Um, the acceptance and encouragement of this gift. So to the point where the current Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and the Pope's personal preacher, uh, who's not the same person, another guy, uh, they are both happy to go on public record as saying, yes, speaking in tongues is really important. It's really part of my daily life. 
Now, there are loads of ways in which we are living in unprecedented times. That is unprecedented. (laughs) So let's see what God's word has to say about it. Paul starts in 1 Corinthians 12, the first verse, and then going on to verses 7 and 10. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he lists a load of those gifts and he concludes, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Ignorance is not bliss, Paul says. Paul wants them and all of us to know the gifts that God wants to offer us and for us uh, to receive. The Holy Spirit is God himself. This isn't some people having an idea This is God coming amongst us and he wants to give evidence of his powerful presence and he wants to do us good. So these aren't spiritual gifts because they're simply kind of spiritual. We're like, oh, that's really different from day-to-day life. No, as Tanya was saying and as Lucy was saying as well, God is wanting to do this thing in your very daily life. They're spiritual because they come from God who is spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who works them in us And so we should welcome these. We shouldn't be like, oh, well, yeah, maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Who really knows? That is not good enough when God's saying, I've got a good thing for you. We cannot think that we can do without what God wants to give us. Now, the Corinthians seem to have been really obsessed with praying in tongues. There is a possibility that they just all gathered together and all just like, not just kind of sung as we sometimes think, but actually we're like having one person after another person after another person after another person after another person, just like, speaking in tongues at the rest of them for ages and maybe even interrupting each other in tongues and stuff like that. And so Paul is trying to regulate their behavior. And he twice, therefore, puts the gift of tongues at the end of the lists of these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to his people and to his church. But it's still on those lists. So sometimes people are like, oh, well, Paul's trying to get the Corinthians to to pray less in tongues and be less about tongues. It's like, that is kind of true. But in the sovereignty of God, he's also showing us that this is a gift that we need. It shouldn't be mocked. It shouldn't be neglected. It's from our holy God. As part of Paul trying to restrain them, he says to them, do all speak in tongues. And this is a rhetorical question, obviously, because it's a letter. And the implication is, no, not everyone will speak in tongues. Now, some churches and church movements teach that speaking in tongues is the only proof that's allowed of someone being filled with the Spirit of someone encountering God in a powerful way. Some people are like, the only way we can be sure that's happened is if you're speaking in tongues. Some people even go far enough to say that you're not a Christian unless you speak in tongues. The Bible does not say that. We've just seen this. The Bible does not say that. But Paul does say, I want you all to speak in tongues. And so if you're here saying, well, the Bible says not everyone speaks in tongues, that is true. Let me just say, there are more than enough Christians in the world who aren't speaking in tongues for you to not need to consider yourself in that category. And you can take what Paul says of saying, I want you all to speak in tongues as being for you. Paul then gives an important clarification at the start of chapter 13. Famously, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So to speak in tongues without being loving towards God, without being loving towards others, is just making a lot of noise that doesn't do anyone any good. Love fulfills God's law, and love will fill the renewed creation. It expresses the character of the one who gives us these gifts. Therefore, we have to, they, they have to operate out of hearts that are flowing with God's love and desire to love 
God. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can be like, oh, I'm not feeling very loving today, therefore I can't speak in tongues. Again, it's not what, not what Paul's saying. But Paul's saying, I want you guys in the Corinthians who are kind of having tongues arguments, it seems, I want you to be loving one another to be wanting to, and to want to know God's love more. Therefore, you take hold of this gift. When Paul talks about the tongues of men and of angels, is, is this him just kind of making a point and using you know, kind of metaphor or something like that? Or is he actually describing what tongues is? Well, he says in chapter 12, verse 10, that there are various kinds of tongues. That's a lot of plurals. So I think if, we, if we're very narrow, I think we're possibly missing what Paul is wanting us to, to, to sense. The first time we read about tongues is in Acts chapter 2, and it is other human languages. And that is, by the way, the Greek word. The word is languages. And I know tongue sometimes sounds a bit weird for us, but I feel like we all say it so much, it's hard to kind of shift us over to saying the gift of languages. But that's kind of what's going on in Acts 2. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. At this sound, the multitude of people from many nations came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. This kind of thing does still happen where people speak a language that they do not know and there's someone there who does know it and God speaks to them through it. And in our uh, notes for small group discussion this week, I'll put a couple of those uh, references in there so you can have a read of them. Speaking in tongues is also mentioned in chapters 10 and 19 of Acts. It doesn't give any further details about what, is that a human language? Is that a spiritual language? I think a lot of what Paul says to the Corinthians makes more sense as being about heavenly languages than about being human ones. So Paul assumes that they will need the spiritual gift of interpretation for anyone to be able to understand what has been said. He, he also talks about outsiders coming in, which is essentially what happens in Acts 2. But in Acts 2, there's no, there is no need for an interpretation. There's someone there saying, hey, you're speaking Greek or Scythian or whatever it is that you're speaking. Wow, that's amazing. Whereas in Corinthians, Paul's saying, you're going to need someone who says this is what is being said, and that someone needs to ask the Holy Spirit to give them that gift of interpretation. So I think this is, it can be human languages. I think, in, certainly, I assume most of my experience, it are spiritual languages. He goes on to say in 14 verse 2, One who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So what happens when someone speaks in tongues? Well, they are speaking to God. That's different from prophecy. Prophecy, God speaks to us. This is us speaking to God. Who knows what they're saying? Well, probably not them. Probably not the people around them. But God does. That's a remarkable thing, isn't it? That we may not know what we're saying, but our spirit is saying something And God knows what that is. And more than just knows what that is, he gives us the language to express that. So it may be prayers, Paul says. It may be praise. It may be thanksgiving. If you've ever felt like you just... You just want to give God more praise than you are able to. You're like, oh, I need to think of a new word than really, 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 really good. What do I do? How do I I release this thing that is within me that's praise to God? If you ever feel frustrated with what comes out of your mouth, you're like, God, that's a rubbish prayer. I'm not even sure that is a prayer. And I want to pray and I don't know how. Tongues is a gift for you. In Romans 8, 
26 to 27, Paul says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he goes on to say that these groanings are according to the will of God. So some people are like, is that about speaking in tongues? It sounds quite a lot like what Paul says elsewhere about speaking in tongues. It isn't the thankful praise of 1 Corinthians. It's more a sense of a bewilderment, a sense of what do I do? What do I say? And that's true of difficult times, isn't it? We need help to, to pray as we should. Now, God gives us many ways to help us with that. He's, just as I've been reading through God's word, uh, these last kind of two weeks, 10 days, or however long it is since the, you know, the war started, just again and again, I'm like, wow, that is, that is exactly how I can pray for that situation. That's exactly how I can pray for the people there, for the governments involved, for the Christians involved. This is so helpful. So God's word is a, an amazing gift to us in these moments. And tongues is another of these gifts, and it, it connects the longing of my spirit to the all-knowing spirit of God so that I can be confident in what I am praying even though I don't necessarily know what it is that I'm praying. And I just think this is the kindness of God. He's like, I want you to pray. I don't know how to pray. It's not a problem. And sometimes God does this because he sees our heart. But in this case, he actually wants us engaging spiritually with his spirit that we might be talking with him, not just feeling something. Paul goes on, the one who speaks in a tongue, verse, uh, verse 4 of chapter 14, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. I'm not going to do a show of hands who feels they need more spiritual strength. I'm just going to assume you all do, because you do, because we do. I, you know, none of us feel sufficient. And part of the Christian life is to feel sufficient, but not to stay there. Some people have got it enough to be like, yes, I'm not very good. That's a start. We're not meant to stay there. God wants to bring us into, but he is sufficient, but he is able, but by his strength, I can do these things. And the gift of tongues is one of the ways in which we access and grow in that strength. It's like spiritual weight training. It really is. You are in the gym. You are pushing weights. There is there's sometimes resistance. There is a sense of God putting something in you uh, supernaturally that you don't have. Now, does this mean that only you will benefit from it? And clearly that's part of what Paul's dynamic of conversation is with the Corinthians. Well, obviously, as you grow in spiritual strength, that is a good thing, and you will experience the benefits of that. But the point of us growing in spiritual strength is that we're then more able to bless the people around us. So I want, me, I want to grow spiritually, but I want all of you to grow spiritually as well. And not just because it's good for you, but actually because it's good for me. And it's good for all of us as we all grow in this way. So the immediate benefit may be just to you, but Paul says the rest of us will benefit too. Firstly, in this way of we're able, more able to do one another good. We're more able to carry one another's burdens, more able to pray for one another even when we don't know what to pray. But then Paul goes on to say how in, in a public meeting like ours or in a small group meeting, tongues can be of benefit to us as well. Verse 5, he says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now we're going to come back to Paul's appreciation of tongues in a little bit while, but let's just not miss this. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. 
It's right there in the Bible. I know it's not the whole sentence, but it's in the sentence. Paul says the difference between tongues in public and prophecy in public is almost like the difference between uh, having a meal and eating it yourself and having a meal and sharing it with everyone else. And so if he's forced to make a choice between speaking in tongues, uh, people speaking in tongues in the meeting and people prophesying in the meeting, if he's forced, Paul says, go for prophecy because that is going to do other people good. It's going to do the whole church good just by itself. But he isn't being either or here. He wants both and. He wants the fullness of what God has. And he goes on to say that the gift of interpreting tongues puts it on a level with prophecy because then you are able, all of the rest of us are able to comprehend something of what is being said. And that will strengthen us. And so that's why whenever someone at King's shares a tongue, comes to the front to share a tongue rather than just singing or speaking wherever they are, we then do this thing every time, don't we, where we say, This is a gift from God. The Bible tells us about it. And the Bible tells us to expect that someone else is going to have an interpretation of that. Now, Paul says in verse 13 of chapter 14, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret. So that is the first place in which tongues may be interpreted by the person actually bringing the tongue. As you're praying in tongues, as you're sharing, you suddenly actually like, oh, I actually know what this is about. And you can then just go into saying that. And that's absolutely legit. In chapter 12, there's the image of the body, of God's body all working together, all the different parts working together for the body's good. And that, I think, kind of helps us to anticipate that maybe one person will share the tongue and maybe someone else will have the interpretation. And that can be a really exciting dynamic because we're actually, different ones of us are involved and blessing the whole church. We would expect the interpretation to be in line with what we've already said about what uh, speaking and praying and singing in tongues is. It's praise to God. It is a response to the mysteries that God has revealed, maybe in our time of worship or maybe just in the person's own life. My experience of when I've had an interpretation of a tongue is not that I'm like, ah, yes, that word means that, that word means that, that word means that. It hasn't been like that for me anyway. Uh, for me, I just have a, I feel like I understand what has been meant. And, and I feel like God's just being like, this is what that person is saying. And so that's how I will then go and, and share. Paul does later caution against bringing a tongue if there's no one else to interpret. Again, in the same way that we can assume there are lots of other Christians who don't have this gift, so you can ask for it. I think you can assume safely that if you come to a meeting of kings, there is someone who's going to believe God for that gift. So go for it. And you can talk about what that feels like in your small group. You might have a a lot of people who are really inexperienced in this and are looking to grow. You can still ask together. Uh, Other small groups might have loads of people who are used to that, and so you should just go for it. But either way, you know, we're, we're a family where we expect these gifts from God. And so we should bring them and we should go for them and we should expect interpretation when they're shared. He goes on, 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. It's one of several places where Paul talks not just about speaking in tongues, but about singing in tongues. He he describes it elsewhere as singing in the spirit or spiritual songs. So what is happening in our heads when we speak or sing or pray in tongues, what's going on? Well, our brain, the part of our brain that makes our mouth move and air come out of our lungs and all of that, that's clearly working. 
But the part that says, what shall I say next, is not. And that's partly why Paul says that the the mind is unfruitful at that moment. Because when you're thinking something through, your mind is growing and developing and working, and then you come to a conclusion, you're like, ah, yes, that's, that's borne some fruit. That isn't what's happening when we're speaking in tongues. And I just think this is part of the gift of tongues. It's a relief for us. You're just tired of trying to make things make sense, either your own words or the the situation that you're praying for. God says, it's okay. Let's keep talking, but you don't need to be thinking. I just think that's his kindness to us. It does also mean that you can be praying in tongues and your brain can be going, this is a bit weird. Or what are they doing? Or what have I got to do at work today? Those things can happen at that moment because... it's, it's not this kind of overwhelming, necessarily, emotional or spiritual moment where everything is just, you're just so aware of God. Sometimes it's like that. But it doesn't have to be. And that means that, therefore, if you are praying in tongues, you're like, why am I also just thinking about my shopping list? <laughs> well, it's because tongues isn't necessarily involved in that thing. Now, Paul's response is, therefore, okay, so I will do my shopping list whilst praying in tongues. No, he says, I'm going to pray in my mind too. So that's what I just have to do. I keep having to bring my brain back as it's like, what is this? And like, no, no, praying in tongues, I'm going to pray in my mind as well. But it doesn't have to happen. And then verses 18 to 19, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So here we are again. Paul loved having this gift of tongues. And he's writing to the only church where he ever has to write to them to say, you are doing it too much. And one of the things he says to the guys who are doing it too much is, I do it more than all of you. (laughs) So he's not ambivalent about this. He's not, oh, never mind. No, no. But what he says to them is, I do this mostly in private. This is my prayer time. He talks elsewhere about praying in the spirit. I think this is part of what he means by that. He says, I'm praying in private in this way because it builds me up. But when I'm with others, I want to use gifts that are going to build others up more directly. Words of wisdom, prophetic words, gifts of healing, gifts of uh, salvation, other things. And, yeah, I don't think Paul's doing this in maths, but, you know, he does say that, like, there's a 2,000 times more effective when you say a word that's led by the Spirit that people understand. I don't think that maths matters, but it's there. Um, 23 to 25. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Okay, so that is why we always expect an interpretation. And that's why we don't spend our entire meeting praying and speaking in tongues. Paul says, don't do that. We need other gifts as well. And we're going to focus on prophecy, by the way, next week. So he comes into land. What then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. If there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and God. So this is like Paul's ideal worship time. 
There are loads of spiritual gifts being shared. It's not chaos. People can comprehend because there's gaps between each one being shared. And this results in the church being strengthened and it results in visitors encountering God. And through this whole section, there is a sense of order here. Paul isn't like, it just is a mess. It is inexplicable humanly, but it's not chaotic because God, Paul says, is a God of order. And so you don't lose control of yourself when you speak in tongues. So just before we take a moment to respond to this, or more than a moment, just some of my own story. So I, I grew up going to a Catholic church. It did not prepare me for this. So I, you, know, you get told to stand up. You get told uh, to sit down. There are words that you read a lot of the time. Um, and then I was invited by some friends to a church like King's. And never seen anything like it. And when I heard them saying things I didn't understand, I assumed that they'd all learned the Bible languages of Hebrew and Greek because they were like the keenest Christians I'd ever met and I wouldn't have put it past them to do that. When I actually found out what it was, I was like, that is, that's worse than if you'd learned Hebrew. <laughs> that, is, that is weird. That's just what I thought. And one time, one of my youth leaders said that he felt God wanted to give me this gift of tongues, and so he wanted to pray with me. Um, I was not convinced, but I also wasn't that convinced to be like, no, thanks. I was like, well, what I'll do is I'll stand here with my mouth shut, and if something happens to me, then it happens. And uh, I kind of waited to see if I would be overwhelmed, and I was not, because I didn't want to be, because it doesn't work like that. And probably that guy needs to give me a bit more practical help to stir my faith, But the real issue was my pride. So I did a degree in my degree was in English. I know a lot of words. I I really like using words. I like using long words and complicated words and lots and lots and lots of words, as you know. (laughs) I really didn't think I needed tongues. And I'm not saying that pride is what's holding you back, but it it may be. It was for me. Because I just thought I knew better than God's word in all sorts of ways. And if you're struggling with that elsewhere, you're like, yeah, it says that, but I think this. It says that, but I want to do that. Maybe this is going to be a starting point for that just being broken down across your life. If you believe God in this, that actually this is a gift for you that you need, I think some other things might change as well. So a few years later, God so graciously has brought me in fully into his family. I've understood how foolish and sinful I am, how amazing Christ's death for me is, how he's rescued me, saved me. I now just want to live for him. And, and so I'm now like, I've totally changed from being like, you've got to convince me to like, you've got to convince me this isn't an, op- an option. So I'm going to pray. So I was in my room at uni. I remember just being like, okay. And I said a few words and I tried to say a few more. And for some people, that's how it starts. It's just, it's like, it's very kind of slow and stumbling. That was, that was my experience. For other people, Deb, for example, she'd say when she was prayed for, it, it just flowed. It just flowed and flowed and flowed, and she was just released into it. And so for some of us, it might suddenly feel like we're kind of like learning to like walk up a new hill, and for others, it's like you're just being released to run downhill, or the wind is kind of at your back. My use of and confidence in this gift has grown over the, the, the next tw- in the 20 years since then. So I will 
you know, I'll just be thinking about the amazing things that God has done, and that just naturally, supernaturally, makes me pray in tongues. That isn't always a conscious choice. Sometimes I'm just facing difficult circumstances, like I need to pray, I need to be strengthened, therefore I'm going to pray in tongues, I need to start now because I need help. I might be out in the countryside and it's a sunny day or you're just surrounded by beauty or, or some other goodness and you're like, this just, I just need to respond to this. And, and sometimes it just flows. It just happens like that. I also try and be proactive in praying. So I'm like, I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in tongues because I need to. And I'm, I believe it's one of the key ways in which God has given me strength through like five or so years of just really horrible hardness. I will almost always be praying in tongues at some point when we're gathered together as we are today Um, because I am going to have several things. I'm going to be loving God because we're going to be singing songs about him. We're going to be hearing about him and we're going to be seeing one another. And I'm going to, I need to respond. And I just am in tongues. And sometimes I'll be like, I need strength to contribute to this meeting. Uh, And sometimes be like, I just feel like I'm a bit blunt. I'm a bit forgetful. I need to, come on, stir yourself up. This is not enough to just be like, Oh, yeah, my church. And tongues really helps me with that. And I think that's probably true for many of us. Looking in my diaries, it's like two years this week since we last had a normal church service. It's two years since you didn't have to wear a mask. Two years since we did all of that. It has been hard. It's still hard. And I know right now you're like, well, you've not got a mask on right now, and I have still. And... We're fed up with it, and it can be wearing, and there's a danger that it, even when we take our masks off in a couple of weeks, we'll have lost something of the exuberance and joy and, and flow that God wants us to have. And I think speaking in tongues is one of the ways in which he's going to correct that and give us a grace again. And it will be lovely to no longer have our masks, but it will be so much more powerful if more of us are being filled with the Spirit and being released in this wonderful gift. Speaking in tongues is radical and it's devotional. I want to be those things. I want us to be those things. So I want to invite you to believe God for those things today. Here's how I think we can receive this gift. Firstly, we believe that it is a gift from God. So I've told you some story, but I've showed you from God's word. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Tongues is unusual. It requires faith. And God's asking you today, believe me for this. Some of you are saying, yeah, for the first time, yes. And others of you are thinking, okay. And some of you have been reminded. It is a gift to give us greater spiritual life, to pray and to praise more than we ever could in our own strength. You know God wants to help you with that. And he's saying, here's a way. So believe and then ask. Speak to the Holy Spirit. Say, I want to speak. In time. Would you give me this gift? He's really happy to. He'd be delighted to. You can be honest if you're finding it a bit odd. You can be honest if you're disappointed from times before. But don't stay there. Don't spend your whole time thinking about that. Like, God, it has been a bit odd. I have been disappointed before. I'm going to believe you now. You will be being lied to at this point. There'll be lies about you're not good enough. You'll be lies that you, you know, you've, you've done all sorts of things. Gifts aren't earned. They're given. God gives you this gift because you don't have strength, not because you do. He wants to strengthen you. So believe and ask and then say something. Say something. And like I've said, for some of you, it'll feel quite stuttery. You're just getting started. For others of you, 
It would just be a flowing river, a torrent that suddenly just comes out of you. Don't despise the day of small things if you're in that former camp. All of God's gifts manifest to a greater or lesser extent. You don't have to be like the greatest at any of those gifts to start using them. It's not how God does it. You can start right here, right now, right today.